Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello, you are very welcome to The Tonight Show. Ireland's response to the refugee crisis, how are local communities coping with the pressures, and the government reacts to recent anti-refugee protests. You know, people will always have freedom to protest, but I think you have to look it in the round. And I think there has been a greater um, determination by Irish people to be of support, to lend support and give support, than there has been not to do so. And I'm live here in Killarney, where we'll hear from a range of local voices on the issue. Join the conversation online with your comments and your questions. It's hashtag TonightVMTV and have your say in our live interactive poll. Well, tonight we are examining the government's response to the refugee crisis and how rural towns are coping with the local pressures of giving refuge to people fleeing the war in Ukraine and other global trouble spots. In a moment, we'll be live with Claire Brock in Killarney in County Kerry, who'll be talking to a range of local voices there on the issue. But first, a reminder about our live nightly interactive poll, which allows you to have your say. Tonight, we're asking, do you approve of this government's current response to the refugee crisis. You can vote online on virginmediatelevision.ie forward slash vote or follow the QR code you currently see on your screen. We'll bring you the poll results a little later in the programme. But now let's go live to Claire Brock, who's in Killarney for us tonight. Thanks, Kira. Well, as you say, we are here in Killarney, a town that has welcomed thousands of refugees and others seeking international protection. With me tonight on the programme, Marilyn Cunahan from CASI, the Killarney Immigrant Support Centre. Local GP, Dr Gary Stack. Independent TD, Michael Healy-Ray. And Mayor of Kerry and Fianna Fáil Councillor, John Francis Flynn. You're all very welcome along to the programme tonight. Um, and thank you for welcoming me down uh, to Killarney. Um, Marilyn, I want to come to you first because you help people um, arriving into the town of Killarney and, and beyond. Could you tell me about the work that CASI is doing right now in Killarney uh, and how many refugees you're supporting in the town? Okay, so basically we are in operation for the last 20 years and we have a drop-in centre right there in the middle of the town where we provide information, we do advocacy work, we help them in practical kind of um, support like filling in forms and things like that. And we also kind of promote this idea of cultural diversity and integration. Uh, since, uh, I mean, in fairness, this time last year we weren't expecting that last in March, that there will be an influx of Ukrainian refugees. But we went there on the, with very little resources we have. With the, with the current resources we had during the time, we, went on the, in the, we were in the front line and did outreach to all the accommodation centers and welcomed the Ukrainians. 
And yeah, so basically that's what we do. It's kind of after coming down a lot, yes. Yeah, mm -hmm. um, I'm conscious that Ukrainians celebrated their Christmas right. um, over the weekend. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, how would you describe uh, integration in the town now? As you say, it's, it's last March. We had many people coming here in seek of, of protection, in mm -hmm. seek of shelter from war. So many months on, how do you think integration is going? Well, I mean, in a way, integration is a long process, okay? And that's the thing as well about it. There is really no plan how to move forward from providing this immediate support to integration. So um, in, in, with the Ukrainians and with, with others, we have been in this, in, this, in, this, in this service for a long, long time. And may I say as well that the Killarney people have always been very welcoming. We always work with them. And um, so with the Ukrainians, they're actually overwhelmed with the amount of the, 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 the welcome and the generosity of the people. And they're doing their best. But of course, there is always a barrier, like the language. And they're only here for so long. They're only beginning, as such, to actually settle into the life of, you know, when they came here, it's all really, you know, when after that war, they're all shocked. They're just going through the motion. Now, uh, now that they're kind of a bit more settled, I think from our perspective as a support group supporting migrants, asylum seekers and refugees, that there has to be a plan there, what is going to happen next. Mm -hmm. Especially there is a talk as well, quite recently that come to the season, that these people are going to be moved. Mm -hmm. But the, 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 our question is, what is really the plan and how are they going to move these people? Okay. Yeah. Well, you talk about a plan and a longer term strategy. Yeah. Yeah. And earlier Education Minister Norma Foley spoke to me, also a Kerry TD, of course, and I asked her about the government response to accommodating refugees as we enter a new year. How would you describe the government's management of um, the refugee situation as we enter a new year and new challenges that we face? Well, I think in, in the first instance, there has been a phenomenal response from society as much as from government. And I, I think that's, you know, um, very significant to be able to say that we have more than 60,000 um, Ukrainian children and families um, now catered for um, in Ireland, uh, being welcomed into our communities. We have more than 14,000 of them in our schools, very much so embraced in our schools, being part of the fabric of our schools, um, being openly welcomed by communities and I think you know we're in a position where we're in a war situation that we would have hoped never to see um, but the war occurred and we are doing all that we can in this country to offer solidarity to offer support humanitarian aid to the people of Ukraine and there has been a phenomenal response from the people of Ireland in that respect. We saw protesters gather outside a hotel here in Killarney over the weekend we have seen similar protests in parts of Dublin and elsewhere around the country are you concerned about these protests taking place? Yes I'm, ver I'm very conscious of that and um, I think also that we must recognise that that is the exception rather than the norm. We've also seen protests, for example, here in Killarney and indeed um, in Dublin when families were being moved from Killarney, when Ukrainian families and children were being moved and the, the impetus for the, the protest at that time was to ensure that they could be kept here because that they were so well integrated into the community. Uh, and I think that's more of a reflection of Irish society and when you look at um, 
you know, people will always have freedom to protest, but I think you have to look at it in the round. And I think there has been a greater um, determination by Irish people to be of support, to lend support and give support than there has been not to do so. Why do you think these protests are happening? Well, as I say to you, you know, they are the exception rather than the norm. Um, but we, we, are, we are seeing them and generally it, it may not be aimed at Ukrainian families, it's aimed at asylum seekers. Well, I, I, I don't think it is right to, to pit um, one individual or one displaced individual against another. Um, I absolutely accept that there are frustrations and there are challenges and there are difficulties um, catering with such a large number of people. But I'm also confident from my own dealings with people that Irish people in the main are very keen to do the right thing at the right time for people, particularly who are coming from a war situation. We see that replicated right across the country in small communities who are coming out to welcome, to, to provide support mm. themselves, whether it's, um, um, you know, whether it's clothing, whether it's um, toys for children, and again, as I say, the work that's been done in our school communities. So it, it does bring with a challenge, but every challenge we have a capacity, to this point we have seen, we've had a capacity to, are you worried capacity to meet those challenges. And are you worried about the sentiment um, that we're seeing at cabinet level um, about these protests and the sentiment that's going with it, an, an anti-immigration sentiment that's there? I think I do have to say to you, and you, you reference specifically, uh, you know, gatherings in Killarney, and um, I think, you know, if you were to look at that, the very, very few of those who were gathered were actually from this town and from this county. And I think that's a reflection of the attitude of this county. And indeed, you've referenced other places, whether it's Drimna or wherever. Um, so I, I think you, we can always look at the negative, but we should also look at the overwhelming positive. And it has been overwhelmingly positive in terms of the work that's been done in this country for uh, particularly families coming from Ukraine. Again, not minimising the challenges that it brings, but in the main, Irish people have wanted to do the right thing to support families fleeing from uh, a situation of war. The Education Minister, Norma Foley, they're talking about the overwhelming positives um, that have come with this story and that have come with the number of refugees that are coming here and how the government is responding to it. But I want to ask you, um, Dr Gary Stack, as a local GP, uh, helping those, the, the locals, as well as those in emergency accommodation right now, what do you make of the impact, uh, I guess, of the protests that are that we have seen here in the town um, over the weekend and in recent times, the impact on those that are, are seeking shelter right now in the town? I suppose I think there's the protests at the weekend. I think the support for them was quite minimal. There were very small numbers when I passed on Saturday, mm -hmm. uh, and I wouldn't see that as a big issue. I think Killarney has a tradition going back to the 19th century of welcoming visitors. We had the Kosovars about 20 years ago. We've had about 300 Bangladeshi patients that we've looked after about for about the last 20 years working in local factory and, and in the hospitality industry. And last May we had about 1,000 Ukrainians in Killarney. There are about 20 GPs. So even though we, our lists were mostly closed at that stage, we, most of us took on about 50 patients each. But all of a sudden 1,000 became 2,000 and we just became overwhelmed. We've had two direct provision centres, one on either side of our surgery, catering for about 200 um, refugees, asylum seekers. We have looked after those for the last 20 years without a problem. And many have integrated, many have moved on to other places. Uh, but we have become, become overwhelmed with the, the doubling, I suppose, of the numbers of Ukrainians. And on top of that, the, the um, opening of Kanani Hotel as, as a reception centre. Mm. Uh, what uh, additional resources have you been given as a GP? 
um, to help provide services, those wraparound services that we know are key for providing you know, adequate accommodation for people here? I suppose that, that is part of the problem realistically. When the direct provision centres opened originally, public health were quite involved in the initial screening, uh, the initial disease screening, the initial vaccination status and follow up from there. That hasn't happened for a number of years in the, in the direct provision centres and hasn't happened at all in, in, in Hotel Killarney. Uh, our concerns, I suppose, is their crowded settings. There, there is a potential for significant uh, public health diseases, and there is no preparation for that. Uh, and we, we haven't, we've had no support in trying to deal with that. Are, are you saying that the accommodation that is being provided now is simply not fit for, for purpose? For people seeking shelter? Well I suppose that the numbers in such a crowded situation, in, in such a crowded area is not fit for, is not fit for purpose, it's not fit for long-term care certainly. Mm -hmm. uh, I think in an emergency situation it is but the emergency has passed I think at this stage for many of them and they now we need a plan for moving on from there. My understanding is that many of the hotels will come back into the tourist uh, mm -hmm. outlook for, for the summer. Uh, and that is very important for the local economy, um, local lot people working, local students working for the summer and so on. So there has to be a plan in place as to what's going to happen at that end of it as well. Okay, so, so a lot of talk, I suppose, about a need for plans and a strategy going forward. The government is promising now that it is putting all its attention um, onto that, Michael Healy Ray. Mm -hmm. What do you make of, of the response to date? Um, and the response as well from the locals here in Killarney? Well, first of all, the locals here in Killarney, like I want to welcome you and your team here today to the capital tourism of the Western world, which is the great town of Killarney. And I continuously say, say that. And the people of Killarney are, are very welcoming to everybody. Mm. But there is a saying that too far east is west, and that is a fact. And what I mean by that is there is concern in the town of Killarney at present. And the concern that people are expressing, it is nothing to do with any type or shape or relation to racism. What it is, is it's a, a concern that the government don't seem to have a proper plan of action. And if you listen to Gary Stack speaking, not just on his own behalf, but on behalf of the, the GP service and the medical care service, call it in the county of Kerry, and he's telling you that there's no wraparound services or additional supports being given to him or his team in the provision of healthcare. We have the same with education. We have the same with just providing accommodation on its own isn't everything to a human being. There are other services that are needed. And if you have too much of a concentration in one spot, obviously that puts on pressures. And yes, there are people in Killarney who are concerned, and they are very kind, they are very sincere mm -hmm. and welcoming people. But, but when what they do you say, make then of the protest that we did see at the weekend? Because there's no point in saying it didn't happen and people didn't oh no, gather. Oh no, it so, did happen. I mean, is, there, is, there, is it a case of a town divided? Is there an anti-immigrant sentiment mm -hmm. that is emerging? N no, no, there is not. And I, I would like to pride myself on this fact. I'm a representative for here. I have been for a long time. And I would like to think that my feet are firmly on the ground and I listen to everybody. And yes, people are saying to me, oh my goodness, what is happening outside there? Why is there people, there has been fights, there has been incidents there. And I don't want to over harbour on that, but that has created concerns. But, and, and I just want to finish this point. And whether it's right or wrong, there is a perception by people that there are too many people put in one spot. Mm. And we have to ask ourselves one question, and this is nothing to, to do with people coming from the Ukraine. 
This is why is Ireland so attractive to people seeking in economic refugee status. So what you're doing now is dividing up. No, you are saying there are no, people who are fleeing war in Ukraine no, no, and no, you're saying there's another no, not, no, cohort. Back, is no, that I, what you're saying? There's no, another cohort who are economic up. I'm going to migrants. back this up with a statistic. And that is a fact that 2,261 people came here seeking an economic asylum uh, in the year previous to this one gone by. And 12,700 came this year. And you have to ask yourself, why was that? And government have to have a planned approach to this issue. And whatever our when policies... When you're saying a planned approach, what yes, are you talking what about? What I'm talking about is what happens when they come in? How long does it take to process an application? Because when you're waiting for the time of a processing of an application to elapse, you have to house, educate, okay. give the health care to that person I, during I, that period of time. Okay, I want to get Marilyn in here because mm -hmm. you yourself would have come over here as a migrant. What do you think when you hear what, what Michael Healy Ray is saying there about why do people find Ireland so attractive? You know, you know, why why are people coming here? Maybe you know, skipping you other see, countries the, and coming the, the, to Ireland. Is, what do you make is, of that? This is the this is the, the, the issue here. You see, uh, this kind of narrative about why are they coming here? Economic refugees. They're not economic. They, they are actually here seeking asylum because they fear persecution from their own country. And we as a nation have, Ireland has an international legal obligation to welcome, to accept anyone who comes here seeking asylum until proven otherwise. They don't, they don't have a ground to be refugee. But for the meantime, none of us can actually a judge, somebody that, oh, you're not supposed to be here, you are an economic migrant, because now there is a process. And yes, I do agree with you, Michael, that the process should have been make it faster. Don't make it going on for a long time. I, I, I am in the, in, at work for the last 20 years. It's getting better now these, these days. But before, there are people who have been waiting for five years, six years, for the meantime, not knowing what will going to happen to them. But I think this narrative of them and the Ukrainians, it's all right. Everybody, I think, and I'm coming from a human perspective, that people do not leave their country for adventure. Why would they want to be leaving in a congregated setting? They're not allowed to work. They cannot do this. They cannot do that. So if it's out of necessity, and that's what, that yeah. is my Island and it as a support worker for this migrant. Yeah, John Francis Flynn, um, what, what, do, what do you think when you hear that? Because, you know, arguably people don't come here to be holed up with multiple other nationalities in accommodation that is not fit for purpose. That is supposed to be a hotel. It's supposed to be temporary accommodation for tourists having a holiday here. Why would people come here otherwise? What would be your take on it? Because you have stoked some controversy with your view that numbers should be capped. You have said that before. Um, and your, your own view and that some would say, well, look, that's the view of the same people who are protesting at the weekend outside emergency accommodation centres. Yeah, well, I suppose, look, first of all, I don't agree with any protesting outside any centres. Um, I think there's responsible ways to protest, above outside the doll or different places that is outside asylum seekers, uh, wh where they're staying is not appropriate, in my view. Um, I, I want to, first of all, say, as Mayor of Kerry, that I'm very proud of the people of Kerry for what they have done for the people of Ukraine um, over the past since the war has started. But I must say that the welcome 
And the, rea the reality is that the welcome was there, that the welcome that was there at the start of the war is not there today. And why not? Because of a failed system that has caused a divide, in my view, um, and the view of the people out there. Um, I'm, I'm listening to people every day of the week. And the way that the system has been put forward, it has caused a divide. And I think what a big issue is, you have people are getting Ukrainian refugees and different refugees mixed up. There has been trouble, and we're all aware of that over the past couple of, uh, couple of weeks and months. And <clears throat> I suppose, look, there is no plan. There never has been a plan in my view. But when you have people afraid to walk down the streets, and that is the reality When you in talk parts about a failed system, what, what are you talking about? Because we heard from Norma Foley um, in the same party as yourself saying we're doing extremely well under the circumstances, we're trying our very best and Ireland is a welcoming place. What's broken in your view? In my view, there's 7,000 uh, Ukrainian refugees here in this county. Every one of them are welcome. Any refugee is welcome here in this county. There's 200, roughly 230 contracts between hotels, B&Bs and guest houses between now and next March due to be renewed. We do not know which hotels will renew the contracts, which B&Bs will renew the contracts. There is no plan going forward. Before there was ever a war in Ukraine, we had a housing crisis here. We're bringing, it's not fair on Ukrainian refugees or any other refugees to bring them in to a country or into a county in such numbers mm. where we cannot cater for them. It's a, it's a danger. I suppose it, we, had, we had a housing crisis uh, before we had, and we've always had people who have sought help from Ireland and shelter from Ireland. We had a housing crisis then, and we still have a housing crisis. Do the two issues have to always go, be conflated, or put together? Well, look, we have to do what, we need the same urgency for housing the Irish people mm. that has been shown for housing others. And well, I maybe think different accommodation I, I, I needs, would you, would you acknowledge? Yes. And I, th I think that's what's causing the divide out there. There seems to, and look, there's no point to saying otherwise. The reason that a lot of refugees are coming to this country is because we, we are seen as, 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 a, as, a, as a soft touch. That's, that's, the, that's the, what's on the ground, that's the feeling on the ground, that we are a soft touch here in Ireland. Right. Uh, that people watching now, there are many people who would silently and mm maybe there's the vocal voices and people will come out and say, yes, uh, soft touch. And the, then there is that arguably a silent majority who would say very much that, you know, there are people, we are quite lucky in Ireland to be living in the country we are living in and that there, there are trouble spots around the world where people are desperately seeking escape from as well, uh, Dr Stack. I, I want to ask you, from the perspective of the services that you offer, and, and the, the trauma services that are required. Do you see people coming from places, from trouble zones, who need you know, a lot of help, a lot of support in the area of mental health um, and services around trauma? I mean, we're talking women, children coming from war zones as well. Certainly that is the case. And I, the only thing I suppose I would echo from what John Francis was saying is I think there needs to be a, a more rapid processing of the applications so that once someone is declared as a refugee, we could put more services in place. 
but I think the, 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 the delay in the processing of those situations leads to more problems. And there, is no, there hasn't been a plan about the accommodation. All they wanted, all IPAS seemed to see is accommodation, accommodation. There's nothing around the services that are needed to support that accommodation or, or to support the people when they come here. CASI has been an excellent uh, ally, I suppose, mm -hmm. uh, and from a general practice point of view, we'd like to thank them for what they have done. But, the, but that, that is an outstanding light in, in a dark field. Yeah. Uh, do you feel um, yourselves in CASI as advocates for, for people who are, who are coming here? It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. That you need to be better staffed, you need to be better resourced, because I know you had to give up English language classes, a lot of the integration programmes that you had because you're so understaffed. Uh, well, we did initially in March, and, and then in fairness now, after a few months, then uh, we got funding from the government. And, uh, but I I yes, we have, to, we have to advocate for these people. And, but it's just what frustrates us is, all along. And what makes me uh, sad is the fact that all along, Killarney really is very welcoming. We walk with them. But this narrative going on at the moment, it's not the fault of these people, 400 people in Killarney Hotel to be brought into Killarney Hotel. Mm. But from the very start, when they came here, 180 men, there is all, all, already a mistrust. So they weren't given a chance to kind of actually and in fairness, I mean, if you live in congregated setting, not knowing what will happen to you, no, most of them don't have PPS number. They didn't get any payment yet. They could have, even if you don't have mental health problem, if you live in that mm -hmm. congregated setting with different cultures. So 
I think what we are asking for is a bit of compassion and not to fuel division because at the end of the day, diversity is good. Actually, the hotel, the hotel, there, there's the main, thing, the main thing that the people of Clarny want is they want government to come out and say, we have a plan and we know what we're doing. And I believe that we need a more organised approach. And again, the speed, or should I say the delay that is there at present in processing applications, mm -hmm. that really is the elephant in the room. Because if you process the applications and if people have a right to remain here, that's fine. Let them remain and let them integrate and let them get on with their lives. And if they don't have a right to remain... And you talk about economic migrants. Yes, there's there's yes. a jobs. We, we know that there uh, are course, a lot of jobs of to be filled well, well, in this and, country. And the final word I'd say about this, any person, everybody knows was my attitude about work. Any person that wants to come mm -hmm. to Ireland and roll up their sleeves and go working, we have plenty of work for everybody if they want to come here and if they want to work here. And if people would be most welcome for that purpose. Um. OK, look, we're going to have to leave it uh, here for now. We will be coming back, uh, though, later on in the programme. But my thanks for now to Marilyn, to Gary, to Michael and to John Francis. Uh, we'll be back later on in the programme, as I say. But that's it for now. Very welcome back. Well, I'm joined here in studio by Fine Gael Senator Mary Siri Kearney, who is Shannon's spokesperson on integration and Ireland editor at independent.ie, Fiona Sheehan. You're both very welcome to the programme. Uh, Mary, I'm going to start with you and I just want your response, I suppose, to the comments from the two politicians that we had on the panel there in Killarney, one from Fianna Foyle, who are in government at the moment, and an independent who say that they have legitimate concerns, that there's a perception that some communities have been unfairly burdened. And I think it was John Francis Villain who said the welcome that was there at the beginning for refugees is no longer there now. Do you agree with them? I, I think that I am initially, I, I, to be quite honest, appalled at the loose language around these are human beings coming to Ireland seeking refuge in the case of the international protection applicants. Those who are fleeing the war in Ukraine, our enemy there, or their enemy there is Putin, who is murdering Ukrainians in their homes and sending in bombs. It is a murderous war started by him uh, in an unprovoked manner. So people who come to Ireland come out of, it, the majority come out of absolute need. And the Department of Justice who were responsible for the entire, the international protection system, um, have, have a, a, a discernment of whether someone is coming from a so-called safe country, a country where there isn't inhumane treatment or torture or there isn't a risk of war. And the people in, that, in those instances are processed much more quickly. Uh, and then, uh, and, and say even since September last year, we've had 500 deportation orders arising out of that m much more quick system. So, uh, but the but language I, I in general the, the language you. in general is very worrying that we have a politician of a national standing um, being so discriminatory. I, I really, to be honest, I, I'm quite appalled. So he yes, said, in worries. fairness, he said he is reflecting, he's a politician there for a very long time with his feet firmly on the ground, with his ear to what local people are saying, that he is simply reflecting local feelings. 
but, but politics is also about leadership. And it is also about reminding people of the reality of the fact that there are crises going on in the world that cause people to flee and come to Ireland and that Ireland has international legal and moral obligations to provide refuge and shelter to people seeking our refuge. And also for those you know, who are uh, coming from, from Ukraine, there is a, a special status for the individuals coming from Ukraine uh, in, in the same as they would from, from a European Union member state. Okay, so what is so, your assessment then of what we've seen uh, in the last couple of months in Drimna, in the last couple of weeks, in Ballymun at the weekend, uh, in East Wall just before Christmas? What's your assessment of, of those protests, of people who say we have legitimate concerns that we feel the government aren't listening to? I think that we are in an unprecedented situation. I think if we take Drimna, I was one of the, the local representatives who issued a statement last week in response to the, the uh, protests in Drimna. For a start, the people in Drimna, were not, they, they weren't speaking for the local community. Lots of local community representatives and, and local groups have come out absolutely appalled and saying that they don't represent the people of Drimna. The people of Drimna have been incredibly welcoming, mm -hmm. but there's also a lot of misinformation. One instance would be on social media yesterday, there's a, a church, a, a so-called Christian house church that meets in a premises in Drimna um, they have been meeting there for years very peacefully on, on, a, on a Sunday morning for their, their Sunday morning celebration. A photograph of a man leaving that building was posted on social media yesterday saying that the government had installed people living in that. That's complete and, and utter misinformation. It's reckless, deliberately divisive um, misinformation, fueling division, fueling fears. You know, yes, we have a housing crisis. Yes, there is there are the hospitals. Um, government is putting serious money into it, is committed to, to dealing with it and acknowledging that there is, a, there is an issue. Uh, but we cannot be reckless in the, and allow the exploitation of people's feelings uh, and, and their fears. Okay. Uh, for just, what? For populist sentiment. This is a far-right element that are coming in in the likes of Drimna and not representative of the fantastic community of, of uh, we heard public representatives on radio today saying the protests in Ballymun were not reflective of local people, were not attended by local people. We hear uh, Norma Foley say the protests we saw in Killarney, it wasn't local people. So if it's not local people, and you're saying it's, you're saying it's far right, what evidence is there that there is this far right movement uh, in Ireland attending or organising or, uh, these demonstrations or protests? Well, there are... There are Which have been widely condemned. There are allegations added. that you are seeing the similar people popping up, uh, be it Eastwall, uh, Drimner or Ballymun, over recent weeks, that social media accounts that uh, spread the word of these protests uh, are also associated with, with far-right groups. In fairness to this country, we haven't seen the far-right prosper here uh, over the last 20-odd years, where other, where other countries uh, have... There have been attempts over the years to, to set up, be it uh, anti-immigrant or anti-EU parties, and, and they've pretty much failed uh, miserably um, at, at the ballot box, and, and nothing has really emerged from them. So there's, there's nobody you can point to in this country and go, that's the leader of the far right, that's quite clearly that person is leading these, mm -hmm. uh, these protests. It tends to be kind of a more... more underground, uh, more underground movement uh, at, at this point. I suppose our issue at the moment is, it's a bit like the health service, we've had a perfect storm. We were actually here before. You go back to 2001, 
We had 13,000 people applying for asylum here back uh, in, in that year. Again, the same numbers as, as we had uh, last year, there or thereabouts. Back at that time, again, there were suggestions Ireland was a soft touch. People were pointing to the large numbers who we had um, seeking asylum from West Africa in, in particular. Now, that, 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 that the numbers coming in from has, has shifted to other countries uh, now. What we didn't have, I suppose, back then was the housing crisis that we had now and also the 70,000 uh, Ukrainian uh, refugees fleeing the war. Who, and it who has been here. incredibly difficult, it has to be said, for this government, hasn't it, Fiona, to get ahead of this issue. You always feel like they're behind the curve <clears throat> and that they're going to stay behind the curve given the housing issue alone, never mind the other wraparound services that the doctor in the um, earlier part of the programme yeah, was mentioning. And the reason why certain parts of the country have got disproportionately large numbers is that the asylum seekers aren't allocated on a pro rata basis uh, per county. It's basically where, where is the accommodation based? And that's why you've seen Dublin and Cork are top of the league both in, in terms of Ukrainian refugees and also those, those seeking asylum. And then in terms of Ukrainian refugees, we've seen that along the West Coast, um, Donegal, Galway, Clare and Kerry, because of the large amount of, of tourist accommodation there. So we heard a comment during, during your, your interviews there about accommodation coming back on track this summer uh, for tourists uh, returning to Killarney and, and Kerry. I'd, I'd love to know where they think that those those people who are currently staying in those hotels are going to, to go because mm. there's no sign of the, the war in Ukraine ending. Uh, and that's where the, the, the pressure is coming from at the moment because and we're not getting on top of our housing prices. Mary? I suppose in, in recent times we have had uh, the, the new initiative from uh, Minister Roderick O'Gorman seeking additional accommodation and there has been a very good response to that um, and in terms of housing pledges that have, have come in uh, and I, as local authorities are I don't think anybody, taking... with all due respect, I don't think anybody has any faith in those housing pledges at this point that they will actually be turned around into accommodation made available for refugees in the hotel system. Uh, well, I... I think that at this moment in time, we have a disparity between what is needed and what is being pledged. But we also have the local authorities working very quickly and efficiently on the ground in that. And there is evidence of that. Um, so I, I, th I think that, yes, I, I understand in, if you are in a community like Killarney that is reliant on tourism, that there are concerns for, for the new year. And it is an evolving situation that government is reacting to. But if we, if we look at the IPAS situ situation, for instance, that is a demand-led, you know, people arrive spontaneously on our shores looking for our, our support, looking for shelter. Okay. We have a legal obligation to respond to that. Okay. Ukraine is unprecedented. Okay, I just want to go to our nightly interactive poll. Tonight's question was, do you approve of the government's response to the refugee crisis? And the result was a 10% of people approve and 90% of voters disapprove. And in fairness, Fiona, it's very difficult to know because people could disapprove for very, very different reasons. Some think the government maybe have done too much, some thinking the government have done too little. But it was interesting to see Roger Gorman's comments in the Examiner today saying that the spike in numbers that we're seeing at the moment uh, in terms of the people seeking um, asylum here in Ireland, this is not temporary. This is permanent. Ireland needs to prepare itself for a greater increase in the number of refugees seeking asylum here. Do we need to change our thinking altogether? Well, he's referring to the uh, effectively asylum seeker system that there are 
uh, countries that are deemed to be politically unsafe and militarily unsafe, and also he's saying that climate change is going to come into the equation as well, where people will be legitimately fleeing th their own country. Our difficulty is we are tied into a number of international commitments, so we can't just turn around and say, well, we're shutting the tap out off, off tomorrow. We have commitments as members of, of, the, of the EU, and we're signed up to a number of, of UN conventions as well. All right, look, I'm going to have to leave it there, but after the break, uh, we're going back to Kerry with Clarity. Stay with us. Welcome back. Well, the current refugee crisis across Europe was sparked by the Russian invasion of Ukraine nearly a year ago. I spoke to Anne O'Neill from the United Nations High Commission for Refugees about the patterns emerging around the war in Ukraine and how mainland Europe has dealt with the people fleeing the war. So... Um, there's almost 8 million refugees uh, have fled Ukraine um, throughout Europe. Um, we should also point out there's uh, almost 6 million displaced uh, within Ukraine. Um, so obviously the countries closest to uh, the Ukraine border are, are many of the ones hosting the highest numbers and it's been um, very difficult, of course, for them to, to host them. There's been um, a lot of uh, offers of accommodation in the private sector, uh, hosting, um, renting, um, but obviously all administrations have been under uh, considerable strain uh, throughout the year to try to uh, provide for their humanitarian needs and accommodation. Are there many Ukrainians and uh, who are still considering leaving Ukraine at this point? In the indications um, recently are, are, are not uh, pointing in that direction. There has been a slight uh, increase recently in numbers coming into Romania and Poland, but overall there hasn't been a significant increase in border crossings. Obviously, we've all seen in the news the deteriorating conditions over there with um, uh, energy, water um, and, and the infrastructure under increasing pressure. Um, but when uh, residents were surveyed recently, um, only 7% said that they were considering leaving their homes. And even those um, who were living in areas with prolonged cuts to all key utilities, two out of three said they, they wouldn't uh, leave their homes. So there does seem to be um, a commitment by those who are there uh, to stay in the long term. Um, on the other hand, though, when, when we survey people who have come to Europe, um, we do find that most of them say they would like to go to Ukraine one day, would like to return, but for the time being, um, the majority do plan to stay in their current location um, and they would cite um, safety and security in the places uh, where they were living as one of the primary obstacles as well as access to basic services. So there's no evidence at the moment of Ukrainian refugees returning home? We see what we have seen um, throughout, which is people going home uh, for periods to maybe uh, visit the relatives or to take care of a property um, and things like that. But um, generally, we're seeing a lot of movements coming over and back. Um, so it can be uh, a little bit hard to quantify, but there's no indication at the moment of any long-term returns happening in any substantial. Okay, so just final question and briefly, and uh, what do you predict then in terms of the numbers for the rest of this year coming from Ukraine uh, into countries either close to the border or as far as Ireland? Well, I think um, we would 
we have to plan for uh, increases, um, although there's no uh, strong evidence at the moment that that's likely to happen. Um, we, uh, units are, along with uh, national governments and other agencies, are doing contingency planning for that in the months ahead. Um, I think for countries like Ireland, we're likely to see um, continual movement from other countries where people had first um, arrived because of the pressure on those frontline countries. Um, so uh, as, uh, for a country the size of Ireland, um, if we get a small percentage of those uh, secondary movements, that will continue to put pressure on the system. Um, so we may continue to see um, people arriving on a similar scale that we did uh, prior to the new year, uh, perhaps up to 700 a week. All right, and O'Neill, we'll leave it there. Thank you very much. And O'Neill there from UNHCR. Now let's go back to Claire, who's in County Kerry. Thanks, Kira. Well, I'm joined now by Niall Kelleher, President of Killarney Chamber of Tourism and Commerce, and Trassa Murphy, Radio Kerry journalist and news editor. You're both very welcome along uh, to the programme tonight. Niall, I want to come to you for, uh, first because we, we discussed this in the first part of the show about Killarney being a tourism town and the number of hotels in, in the town and those hotels now being um, offered for accommodation of, of refugees and those seeking international protection. What's going to happen as the summer season approaches? Because you're looking at from sort of March, April, that those hotels are going to welcome tourists back again. Yeah, certainly, and Killarney is going to be open for tourism again uh, when these hotels go back into providing accommodation for tourists, which Killarney has done for over 250 years. So, like, it's important that it does communication from government in relation to the strategy that's there to give comfort to the businesses here in Killarney that rely on the tourism, mm. that we're going to be able to continue to welcome people. And I've no doubt we are. Killarney has welcomed people for over 250 years and has had many challenges over the years in relation to providing uh, tourism, COVID, ash cloud, uh, many crises, and this is one with challenges. Have you received that communication to date? Have the businesses received received that? Do they know, I guess, what, what the plan is as the summer months approach? No, not officially. Look, we see the offer home scheme and we see other uh, schemes in relation to modular houses and issues like that that have been communicated through the media. Uh, but I, I've called really on the Minister uh, to have direct communication with us here in the industry in Killarney to provide that reassurance. And I'm calling for that again, and we've called for that over the last number of months. Um, we know the issue is going to be there. It's been communicated by many of the elected representatives and the mm. businesses around the town. Uh, and we'd like to see that constant uh, communication uh, to, to provide surety to businesses. Of course, that does mean that there is accommodation problem then um, for the number of refugees who are in the town right now. We've welcomed some 3,000 uh, Ukrainian refugees and then there are hundreds of others who, who ha are, are asylum seekers and will be in the process of, um, I suppose, going through the direct provision process, as still is in this country, Trassa. Um, tell us, you know, from that perspective, you've already trawled the travel websites and hotels are planned to reopen as hotels in the coming months. Well, that's the indication we've got. I spoke to the chair of the Kerry Hotel Federation, Bernadette Randalls, and she feels that maybe the, the concerns that there won't be sufficient accommodation in Clarny once the tourism season starts proper in March, that they may not be totally well grounded. She said, uh, by her estimation, that 
at the very most, seven out of 39 hotels in Clarny are currently being used to provide accommodation for, asylum, uh, for people seeking um, uh, 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 international protection and, for, and refugees as mm. well. So she says the vast majority of hotels in Killarney are, are, are still providing tourism the standard way. Mm. And she said, if you check out some of the websites, um, accommodation websites, they would bear out what she's saying. And I had a look, I had a look at just one website this evening, booking.com. It's not, it's not scientific, but it is interesting to note. I, looked, I checked for accommodation available in the first weekend in February for two adults, just 44 properties available in Clarny. Now, a lot of properties mm -hmm. in Clarny would be closed that time of year, regardless of the current situation. But if you look at the, at the following week, first weekend in March, that goes from 44 properties to 75 properties available. Okay. That would indicate um, that there is something to what uh, Bernadette Randalls, the chair of the Kerry Hotels Federation, is saying that maybe that in some quarters, the concerns that there would be absolutely no supply to meet the demand for, for, for accommodation, tourism accommodation in, in Clarny, that it may not be totally grounded. Um, Niall, I suppose, um, with, uh, just to talk to you briefly about uh, the opportunity that's also there um, with the number of new arrivals to the town in a thriving, busy holiday town, that there is opportunity there for work, um, for employment, local employment, and that actually what, what we could see here with the number of, of, of refugees or people seeking to work in the town, that there could be employment opportunity in those busy summer yeah, months. Yeah, it's certainly very, very fair to say, Claire, and, and, and Bernadette Randall's Hotels Federation and restaurants and everyone have quite often been saying, even pre-COVID and, and since COVID, that there has been challenges in recruiting staff mm. and being able to maintain it. So look, with, with all the extra people that are in, in the town, uh, it, there is opportunities and there are people uh, that are working in our tourism industry already um, since they arrived here last March. All right. Well, I want to thank you both uh, very much to Niall and to Trasa. That is it from us here in Killarney. It's back to you, Kira, in Dublin. Thanks, Claire. Our programme is available as a podcast on all major platforms. But from all the late team here and in Kerry, good night and do take care. <laughs>